Majora's Mask. Chapter 26. The Cold. The snow fell lightly, collecting on the dead tektites strewn over the frozen grass. Tattle sat on the mountain smithy's porch and looked over the carnage. The twisted, bloody corpses filled the clearing between the cabin and the other side's cave. The tektite cavern's slim opening seemed like the hidden maw of a great beast, asleep, but ready to overrun the valley at a moment's notice. It was snowing so much harder that day I went to the Skull Kid's cave, Tattle thought. The fairy remembered approaching that perfectly circular opening. The Skull Kid had gone in far ahead of her, so she'd entered alone. The snowfall's bitter, whistling ballad had become muted in the presence of such darkness as if the cave could command silent awe from even nature itself. Tattle recalled creeping closer, shaking terribly the whole way. The cave was on the last mountain of snowhead that belonged to Termina. Tattle inched her way inward, away from the snow and the light. The door to the mountain smithy opened behind her. Tattle jumped! turning around to see Link smiling as he stepped onto the porch. The boy was dressed warmly and still sported his green hat despite the brown everywhere else. His new coat was thicker than the last, and he now complimented it with a pair of pants too. His sword, shield, and usual bag were also now accompanied by a large sack thrown over his right shoulder. Tattle? Link said, his smile fading. Uh, what's wrong? Nothing, <laughs> she said quickly. What's in the bag? Bombs, Link answered. He said four should be enough. Tattle didn't have a response, following Link as they journeyed toward the pathway snaking onward. The boy eyed her worriedly, but didn't press her. Just give me a bit longer, she thought. Tattle wasn't ready to open up just yet, even though inevitably all the preparation in the world wouldn't stop words from failing her. Link and Tattle left the clearing and were soon hiking between towering rock walls again. The sun had progressed another hour, though it vanished behind the clouds and dancing snowflakes. Zubora gave me another sword, Link said, sliding it out of the scabbard to show her. The fairy noticed its much finer edge, as well as its increased length and shine. The Kokiri blade was a dull, worn dagger in comparison. That's neat, Tattle said flatly, unable to muster any interest. No wisecrack about Zabora? Link said. The guy was kind of a jerk. I would have stormed out too if we didn't need his supplies. Especially that medicine. Those tektites and dodongos could have been diseased. No, you're right, the fairy said. We needed him. I should have gotten so mad. Stop, Link said unexpectedly, ending his steady pace forward. Tattle obeyed, but took a moment to turn around. What's bothering you? Is it about the cave? The fairy sighed. <sighs> we might as well keep walking while we talk. Link nodded, but when they got back to hiking, Tuttle didn't say anything. As predicted, words failed her. The memory swirled around in her mind like some numb mental bruise. I don't know what to say about any of it, she thought. So it leads to the other side of the mountains? Link persisted. You've always acted weird whenever I bring it up, but you've also always said you didn't know anything about- I was lying. The fairy interrupted. Link was visibly taken aback, though he tried to hide it. Or, I was kind of lying. I'm still not sure I understand it, but 
I don't think I want to. This is obviously important, though, or else you wouldn't have blurted it out right before those tectites attacked. Why didn't you tell me all those other times we almost died? Because it wasn't on my mind then, Tattle said irritably. You should know, Mr. Memory Repressor. There was a long pause after that. Oh, Tin, the fairy thought. When Tattle turned to look at him again, the hero's blue eyes merely shone back with a familiar, deep sadness. Even when he's happy, Tattle thought, his eyes always look that sad. I'm such an idiot, Tattle said. Link, I, I didn't mean to say that. I know I can be really insensitive, but I promise that was an accident. Here I am complaining when you're the one who's lost more than I can even imagine. Link turned that over, eventually pulling his jacket's hood over his hat. Chilled strands of blonde hair still crept over his forehead. I haven't lost everything yet, he said. I still have you, and don't compare what I've been through with what you have. Majora's Mask shouldn't be taken lightly, so if it's got to do with the cave... I'm not sure what it's got to do with, Tattle said. But I don't want to talk about it right now. I blurted out what I said because... You and I have gotten really close, and I didn't want either of us to die with secrets still. I know I act really weird whenever you bring up the other side of the mountains, and I know we've almost died before, but this time... Every step we took in that cave, I heard the voices in the Skull Kid's cave again. I think I pushed away what happened that day because I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to. She paused, taking a deep breath. I was afraid that everything they were saying was true. I... Tattle, you don't have to say anything else, Link said. I know exactly how you feel, and honestly... I bet I don't have all my memory back yet, either. Just remember that we're going to end up near the borders of Termina again. Soon. Last time we were there, in the forest, you know what happened when I saw Zelda. I'd hate to think what would happen if I started trying to play tricks on both of us. It shows us what we fear the most, what we don't want to think about. Before we get that far, promise me we'll have talked about everything. Because if we're going to survive up there... We both have to understand each other completely. That way, we can be prepared for the illusions and tricks. He waited for her to respond, but the fairy only nodded. Link frowned. Just please don't leave me. And I don't mean physically. I need your sarcasm and your jokes. It's the only thing keeping me sane, so if you keep acting all sad like this, well, I'll probably join in soon. And that would make for an awful adventure. You and I, somberly hiking across Termino without saying a word? Tattle smiled, as he did too. Tattle smiled, as he did too. Don't be ridiculous. My cynicism isn't going anywhere. Good. So, how about that wisecrack on Zabora? <laughs> that bum doesn't deserve one, Tattle said. I bet he never even got off that couch after I left. He did, actually, Link said. It shocked me too. I don't understand why Gabora protects him like that. I bet he just sits there all day, even when his shop's open. That poor giant probably does all the actual blacksmithing. Link shrugged. As long as I get my sword when we go back, it doesn't make a difference to me. It was weird leaving it behind. 
I've had it ever since the first day of my adventure in Hyrule. And how's this adventure in comparison? Tattle asked. Well, I'm pretty sure the near-death experience toll is about even, he said. But I could stand on my ground there more often. Here, with the Skull Kid's magic and all, I feel a lot more hopeless. Yeah, I understand the feeling. Tattle turned away gloomily, looking up to see their path was blocked. Rocks had slid from both sides and were covered in snow and ice. From wall to wall, there was no way around. Link approached the roadblock, looking up from within his hood to see how high the avalanche went. I guess it's time to see if his explosives are worth anything. He slung the bag off his shoulders and plopped it onto the icy ground, loosening its mouth and pulling out a large black orb. He placed one in front of the rocks, lit the fuse with one of Zabora's matches, and ran, grabbing the rest of the bombs as he did. From a safe distance, Link and Tattle watched the spark of fire travel closer toward the bomb's body. As soon as the fuse ran out, warmth and light filled the air, shattering the silence as well as the rocks. Link held up his gloved hands as hot air bellowed over their hiding spot. When he lowered them, fiery debris rained back down from where it had been blown into the sky. Link walked out from behind their wall of safety with Tattle. Ow! Success! Tattle exclaimed. Link shouldered the remaining bombs and walked around the tiny scorched rocks. The mountain pathway continued snaking upward, and the snow only fell harder. Let's just hope his smithing skills are as good as his pyrotechnical skills, the hero said. Um, the fairy said. I don't think he made those bombs, Link. He probably bought them. Oh, yeah, Link said. He'd still better not mess up my Kokiri blade. Gabora, how's our new customer's fine new blade coming along? <laughs> Zubora grinned from the couch. He put his hands behind his head and kicked his feet up on the desk again. It's good to know our months out of business haven't cost you your magic touch. Zubora turned toward the window, noticing the hearth's reflected light in its glass. He grimaced when he saw more snow falling. It barreled down fiercely, defying all convention for Snowhead's foothills. He turned back to the counter watching Gabora behind it. The giant pounded at the bright red Kokiri sword with a smaller hammer. The bottle of golden dust lay on the counter next to his massive war hammer. <coughs> Zubor shook his head, turning back to the snow as he lay back leisurely. Oh boy, if this nasty weather keeps up, we might not be able to keep the hoist going. The giant didn't respond, blacksmithing away in front of the oven. The small man's eyes grew heavier with each blank. It had been several hours since the boy and fairy left. Why did the two of them hike up here so unprepared? Zabora thought. They both had looked like forest children, and he didn't think they'd last much longer if the snow got worse. Zabora's mind then turned to the moon. In the carnival of time. He remembered running through the streets as a child on the carnival's eve, Looking up to the sky with wide, gleeful eyes, the clock tower would rise skyward while fireworks boomed around it. He remembered running around the top, his childhood friends by his side as all of Termina came into view. But when he recalled another hand, clasped firmly in his own, the memory changed. His brow furrowed in confusion, 
closed eyes guiding him into sleep. Is there something else up here? He thought. Something other than Termina? That hand's warmth and comfort was sharp, tearing away the image of Clocktown. Suddenly, he was on top of another tower, but it seemed more familiar than Termina ever had. The hand in his own shattered any recollection of the Carnival of Time, as if it were an illusion. As if it had actually taken place somewhere else. The fingers wrapped around his own seemed so much more realistic than the fireworks booms and the crowd's cheers. The door to the mountain smithy burst open. Zabor snapped awake from his nap, and Gabor looked up from his work. A tall, slim figure stepped into the room. They were alone, and snow whirled in through the open doorway at their feet. The figure was cloaked in a dark garment from head to toe, hood drawn over their head and face. Gloved hands reached back to close the door and seal away the fierce winter. Zabora and Gabora watched in silence as the figure kept its head down, facing toward the counter. It didn't move or say anything. Zabora's heart rate quickly rose. Something's not right, he thought immediately. The person didn't seem to have anything on them. No bag or weapons, which put them in even worse condition than the boy and his fairy. Their cloak was so, so thin, it couldn't protect someone from a light breeze, let alone a storm. When nothing happened, Gabor sat down his small hammer and stepped toward the counter. His hand wrapped around the handle of his weapon of choice, though he refrained from lifting it yet. <clears throat> uh, hello! Zabora said, clearing his throat. The figure did not turn in his direction. Ah, uh, you a customer? Did a blonde boy and fairy pass through here? They spoke in a deep, powerful voice that might have belonged to a man. The hooded person didn't acknowledge Zubora's question at all. He remained facing the pale giant, completely concealed. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Zubora said coolly. We haven't had a customer here in ages. Winter hasn't exactly made it very easy for us to- Did they say where they were headed? Subora scoffed, forcing his smile to continue. Listen, we forge weapons, eh? We don't take part in any- Stop wasting my time and tell me what I want to know. The hooded figure said, still not moving. Or I will make- Goosebumps broke out along Zubora's arms as he sank further into his couch. His eyes darted to his bodyguard. Gabora! He exclaimed. The giant immediately lifted his hammer and flung himself over the counter. The stranger responded by simply stepping backward and lifting his head, ignoring the massive weapon reared to strike him. However, that was all that happened. Zabora was confused when he saw his companion standing still, hammer risen to strike. The giant creature seemed frozen, as if second-guessing himself after making eye contact with the intruder. The blacksmith sunk into dismay when he realized Gabora was paralyzed. He couldn't move. Only slight tremors in his body broke free, as if every one of Gabora's muscles strained to overcome some hold. Zabora could hear his friend grunting too, as if even his throat struggled against the intruder's control. 
cloaked man continued staring into Gabor's horrified face, who helplessly looked into the depths of the hood. Eventually, the giant collapsed. With a mighty thump, he hit the floor, and the hammer rolled from his limp hands. Then the dark figure turned to face Zavora, head down as he approached the desk. The blacksmith brought his legs into his chest, cowering into the couch away from the attacker. What, what, what are you? He asked, unable to see the face hidden in shadow. It did not respond, stopping as soon as it reached the desk separating them. Zabora hyperventilated in terror as he waited. Then, the mysterious figure lifted his head, and Zabora's eyes widened. The blood in his veins immediately froze. His muscles seized as if pulled taut by puppet strings, unable to obey his command. His pupils dilated madly while peering into the depths of the creature's eyes. The face underneath the hood was a greenish-brown, decayed skin pulled tight against the bone. The flesh was sickly and dead. Its face must have been rotting for years. The monster's mouth was slightly agape, its jaw was crooked, and the inside of its mouth was a dark void. Its eyes were entirely missing, but Zabora was still drawn into the skull's deep, dark pits. The creature did not remove the hood, staring at the frozen blacksmith with an expression that never wavered. Zabora's mind raced with stories from his youth that he'd never quite believed, of undead creatures, redeads. Did the boy and his fairy pass through here? It asked, though its lips never moved. Zabora hardly noticed the creature permit him to regain control of his throat. I... I he stammered. His eyes were unable to tear themselves away, no matter how hard he tried, and his legs and arms were just as stuck. Why, why do you want, want, want to... No. Suddenly, an invisible force thrust Zabora's left arm sideways, violently snapping it out of place. Zabora screamed in agony as his arm remained twisted and broken, Tears welled in his eyes, but still, he couldn't look away. You're not a redead. They just petrify. You, you, you moved my arm! Zabora, to his dismay, heard a small laugh from within its petrified face. <laughs> I've taken their natural ability and advanced it. If you answer my questions... You won't have to find out how far. Zabora's back then straightened itself without his control. His legs came down next, feet touching the floor as his snapped arm remained bent askew. He tried so hard to fight it, to pull back, to get back to the couch where safety and warmth could protect him. He scrambled for words as his remaining limbs twitched threateningly. Ah, they, they, they... They were here, and then I'm fixing their sword for them, because they they went into that cave and brought back- Where did they go? The hooded figure exclaimed. Zabor's broken arm twisted even further. He shrieked, his screams bouncing off the walls of the cabin. <laughs> I, I told you, I, I don't know, I don't know! Zabora screamed, eyes forced open as he sobbed uncontrollably. 
They said they had some business for the noise in Snowhead. They acted like they were in a hurry. The hooded figure listened intently, not breaking eye contact and maintaining its grip on the blacksmith. I was doing business with them. I promise. I don't have any idea what's going on here. Then the hooded figure turned away. Zabora fell limply to the floor, landing on his broken arm as the breath left him. He would have screamed, but his voice failed him. Lying now on the floor, he blinked for the first time since seeing the intruder's face. He watched as the creature walked across the room, stepped over Gabora, and left the mountain smithy, closing the door before too much snow had whistled its way inside. All was silent again, save for Zabora's quiet sobs. Link shivered uncontrollably. It's so cold, he thought. So, so cold. He trembled as he loosened the bag holding his remaining two bombs. Even Tattle's light was dim in the fierce snow pouring from the dark sky. Even Tattle's light was dim in the fierce snow pouring from the dark sky. Link knelt before another roadblock on the pathway still going upward. He accidentally dropped the bomb, sighing as he picked it back up and brushed the ice crystals off. The hood covering his face barely kept out the frost, and the cold wind stung. Link? Tattle said. <laughs> yeah? He said, trying to strike a match. I think we've still got a while to go before we reach Goron Village. Link brought a successfully small flame down to the fuse. Thanks. That's just what I needed to hear right now. Tattle scoffed as they retreated to a hiding place. I'm just saying we might want to think about... They only made it a few steps before the bomb misfired. An incredible sphere of heat blasted Link backward. Tattle flew up to avoid the worst of it, watching as the hero slammed face first into the pathway's rocky border and fell back into the snow. He lay there without moving, and Tattle rushed to rejoin him. Link! She exclaimed. His eyes were closed, hood forced back and causing his bare skin to touch snow. Link's eyes fluttered open, and he struggled to push himself up again. Uh, are you burnt? His fairy asked. Link shook his head, unwilling to stop and take stock of his injuries. Everything was so numb. I I'm... Fine. He limped forward while hunched over, stepping over the scorched rock shards. No, you're not, Tattle said. What What does it matter? Link asked. We can't turn back now. We've been walking for hours. I know, but we can't make it all the way there either. I think there might be a cave nearby. Link's face immediately turned grim, but the fairy shook her head. Not the cave, but one where we can rest and wait out the storm. Link nodded, choosing to leave behind the remaining bombs. I I don't need another accident almost killing me. If they came across another roadblock, they'd have to get creative. 
The painful, frigid journey only lasted 30 more minutes. The rock walls bordering their pathway soon opened into much wider terrain. It wasn't possible to make out much through the thick snow, and the path was completely obscured without mountain walls to guide them. The fairy nervously led them through the valley, and Link had no choice but to limp behind her. Eventually, Tattle approached a distant mountain wall and a very wide opening in its side. There! she exclaimed. The boy couldn't match her enthusiasm, but she guided him into the shelter all the same. The cave wasn't deep and contained no tunnels. There was merely enough room to shield them from snow. Link eyed the dark back wall and noted the remains of a fire. Cold, dark ashes surrounded the leftover wood. As he sat against the back wall, he wished the entrance was smaller. He didn't do a great job keeping the cold out. Tattle flew in beside him as he brushed the snow from his coat. He opened his bag and pulled out another match, striking it several times on the rock before finally getting a flame. It wasn't long before they had a strong fire. The flames illuminated fresh bruises on his face and scorch marks on his coat, though he walked away from the faulty bomb mostly unscathed. I g guess we're not the first ones to hide from the weather in here, <laughs> Link said as his shivering finally slowed. I still can't believe how badly it's snowing, Tattle said. It's gotta calm down eventually. The people before us wouldn't have been able to find wood otherwise. I'm fine waiting for now, Link said. I don't think we're in danger of being followed with this weather. I wouldn't push anything past the Skull Kid, Tattle said. They sat in silence after that. Tattle found a comfortable position on the floor, while Link warmed himself by the fire. Eventually, feeling returned to his extremities, which wasn't exactly pleasant. A piece of hard, cold bread staved off the hunger pains. He ate half before stowing the rest away, and a few minutes later, he noticed something. Tattle was crying. She was turned away, watching the snow, but a few sniffles overcame the fire's crackling. Link quietly scooted toward her. <coughs> Tattle? He startled her, and the fairy quickly rubbed the tears away. Oh, so sorry. I was uh, just... You were crying, Link said. Tattle paused, still looking into the snow as she searched for a response. I'm so scared, Link. Then she flew to his shoulder. Link was shocked as she wrapped her small arms around it and rested her head there. He brought one hand gently on top of her as she cried. It was black, Link. Everything. As far as you could see, there was darkness. It was a field of ashes and debris and death. And the voices said that's all Termina is and all I am too. They told me I was just a shadow and that everything here was nothing. A lie. A realm of shadows. Tattle. I tried to sell myself. They were lying, but I don't think they were. The more I think about it, the more I think about how off this place is. How no one seems to remember their past or where they came from. Because I realize that I don't either. No one wants to think about what's outside of Termina. And I think that's because deep down, we all know. We all know that there's just darkness here. And that's all we are too. Tattle, stop! 
Link said. That's not true. You're not just a shadow. I promise you that. But everything I saw, Tattle said. Link, I think the Skull Kid was right. It, it is the truth. No, Link thought. That's not true. And he knew how to show her. Still holding Tattle with one hand on his shoulder, he scooted to the mouth of the cave, where snow dotted the cold floor. He took one finger and drew through the white crystals. Tattle eventually looked down to see a crescent moon with two diagonal lines backslashing through it. She'd drawn the same one when they were trapped in Woodfall Temple, hoping to comfort Link as they'd waited to die. Love, Link remembered. It was from a dead language the Skull Kid had taught her. You're not just darkness, Tattle, Link said. You are something. The love we have for each other is real. Our friendship proves that you're more than what the Skull Kid thinks you are. Tattle was slow to smile, but eventually she did. Thanks, she said, hugging him tightly. You mean a lot to me, Link. I think you're all that's keeping me sane, too. Link laughed. <laughs> now, let's keep each other sane closer to the fire. I'm not ready to get cold again just yet. They scooted back inside and dozed off together, with Tattle hugging his shoulder and Link's hand placed gently over her. The crackling flames kept them safe from the storm. Skull Kid! The purple fairy stopped, spinning aimlessly in the heavy storm. He could hardly see a few feet in any direction. The heavy curtain of snowfall blinded him. Huh? Skull Kid! For the first time, a shiver cut through Tail's ball of light. Oh no, he thought. Not even a fairy could last forever in this weather. Uh, and there's no shelter anywhere. Uh. He'd passed through Goron Village hours ago, knowing the Skull Kid would be much further north. Tail continued onward, pressing through the blizzard in what he'd hoped was the correct direction. When mountainous walls came into view, he sighed with relief. He flew along the steep, rocky slope, eventually finding a break in them. He found the opening of a perfectly circular cave. Tail stopped when he reached its mouth, and certainly approaching the dark abyss. This is the one, he realized. When a shiver ran through him again, he overcame it and traveled inside. He spotted a fire near the entrance. Uh, Skull Kid! Tail exclaimed. There was no response, but he followed the tunnel's dark turns anyways. The whistling storm and light of day faded with each flutter of his wings. When Tail reached the first corner, he gave the outside world a final glance. When he turned back around, he was face to face with Major's mask. Tail gasped, flying back against the wall. The imp merely stood there, unmoving. The mask's orange eyes glowed in the darkness. Uh, Skull, Skull Kid? Tail managed. Uh, you weren't at the top of the tower? He looked at the blank mask, surprised when it frightened him more than the cave did. Why isn't he saying anything? The Skull Kid took a step closer to him, followed by another, and then another. The distance between them dwindled with each step. Tail pushed himself back against the wall as his breathing grew heavier. Uh, uh, 
Skull Kid, he said, weakly, pleading. Then the Skull Kid merely walked past him and around the corner. Tail watched as the imp entered the snowstorm and flew away. The sky was dull. It seemed just as devoid of emotion as he was. Link stared at the tombstone blankly. The tears were long gone, but he still knelt before the engraved slab of granite. High walls surrounded the graveyard and the castle courtyard. Despite the open sky, the wind did not stir, and the sun did not shine. All seemed still, as if in mourning with him. Link gently traced the Z in her name with one finger, as if he were writing her name again. You'll come back, won't you? He remembered facing away from her on Epona, ready to finally leave the land of Hyrule. When she'd called his name, he turned around to hear that final question. I promise. Link whispered to himself then, finger still on the first letter of her name. He brought his head down to stare at the grave's grassy base. <laughs> it's such a tragedy. Link looked over his shoulder and found a tall man behind him. He was dressed in elegant purple robes and he hadn't made a sound approaching him. Why is he here? Link thought. He turned away from the red-headed man without a word, still knelt on the ground. The masked salesman didn't take the hint. It was so sudden and unexpected. He remained standing a few rows of graves behind him. And to be torn apart from her when you were both so young, you have no idea how truly sorry I am. <sighs> what do you want? Link asked bluntly, not turning from the grave. He'd been to the salesman's shop on more than one occasion and had started seeing him around the castle. I don't want anything, the tall man said taking a step closer. But to let you know how awful I feel, I wish there was something we could do. <sighs> She's dead, Link said, his voice shaking. There's no coming back from that. And where is it that she's not coming back from? Link opened his mouth as if expecting some retort to come, but none did. He finally turned around to face the masked salesman. Does it matter? He asked. I would think so, the salesman replied. Don't you hope to see her again one day? Link balked. I don't think that's any of your concern. The masked salesman smiled before he continued. Hmm, I'm just trying to help. Well, I don't need your help, Link said leaving the courtyard without throwing him another glance. The salesman watched as he disappeared into the castle hallways. Link opened his eyes as a shiver traveled along his spine. The dream of the Hylian graveyard was quick to vanish. He turned to see the fire's black embers and tattle still on his shoulder. She awoke with him, yawning as she stretched her wings and took flight. Her full glow returned as she flew to the cave's entrance. Huh, it's not as bad outside anymore, she said. The blizzard had finally diminished to a strong flurry, 
We should find Goran Village. Fast. I bet we have a few hours still before the sun sets. The sky was still dark and gray, but without the heavy snow it was much easier to see. Though it'll be pitch black by sundown, Link thought. All right, Link said, getting to his feet and stretching too. He winced when his right leg hurt, but he ignored that. Resting any longer was simply not an option. He put his bag back over his shoulders and secured his scabbard and shield. Can you walk a bit longer? Tattle asked. Yeah, I should be fine, he said. As long as the weather doesn't get bad again. The fairy retained her look of skepticism, though Link brushed it off. Are you going to be all right? Yes, Tattle said, sounding much more self-assured. I think what you said really helped me. Link smiled, leading the way out of the cave and into the snow. I'm glad. I don't think I'm afraid anymore, Tattle said, as Link pulled up his hood. As long as we have each other, we don't have to be, Link said. He looked to the road ahead, which was still hard to decipher through the blanket of snow. Their cave's mountain wall would serve as a guide for now. Hardly a minute passed before the snowfall got worse again. It quickly penetrated his winter garments like before, which Tattle noticed when his teeth chattered. You gonna be okay? I'm fine, Link said, trying his best to hide a small limp. That bomb hurt me worse than I thought, he realized. Tattle sighed, clearly not believing him as they tackled the endless white plain ahead. I guess we keep following this wall, she said. We'll probably lose our bearings otherwise. She squinted through the precipitation, noticing something else in the landscape. A tall, thin shape, barely distinguishable from the snow. Hey! Tattle exclaimed, peering closer. Link followed her gaze, noticing the figure all by itself. It was solitary in the white desert. I think that might be a person! Really? Link said, squinting from within his hood. I think you're right. Caution immediately rose to the forefront. You don't think? No, Tattle said immediately. It's way too tall to be the Skull Kid. But it's too thin to be a Goron, Link added. And too small to be Gabora, but taller than Zabora. Huh, why would it be them anyways? Link asked. With the Skull Kid eliminated as a possibility, he felt hopeful. Maybe this person could guide them to Goron Village. Huh, good point, Tattle said. But what would anybody be doing this far into Snowhead? Besides looking to free a spirit giant to help stop the moon from destroying Termina? Link asked, throwing Tattle a smile. Exactly, she said sarcastically. Link's boots crunched on the ground, hiding his limps as his steps grew heavier in the deepening snow. I have my razor sword, Link reminded himself. It hadn't been used yet, but Link's desire for long-term shelter outweighed his eagerness for battle. As they came closer, they noticed two things. The tall, thin person had not taken a step closer, despite their approach from afar. Also, they were completely cloaked in black. The person had drawn a hood forward to hide their face. Link's brow furrowed, but he and Tattle continued nonetheless. Hey! Link called, stopping when only several feet separated them. The stranger didn't respond, 
keeping their head down as the wind violently blew from behind. Hello? Link tried once more. The figure remained silent and motionless. Are they frozen? Link thought distantly. Standing up like that? Hey! Tattle called out. My friend is trying to talk to you! Still, there was nothing. Only the sound of heavy snowfall answered them. Tattle opened her mouth to vent more frustration, but she caught a warning look from Blink. She sighed, rolling her eyes before she took another approach. Listen, if you can help us in any way, we'd be grateful. Please, you don't have to just stand there. We won't hurt you. The mysterious figure took their first step towards the boy and fairy, still saying nothing and keeping their head down. Link instinctively took a step back and brought his hand to his sword. The stranger didn't seem to be fazed by this, however, not slowing their steady pace toward them. Uh, my, my friend is armed! Tattle exclaimed, sensing the hostility emanating from the person. If you're about to try anything freaky, I'd better warn you- She stopped talking abruptly. Link turned to Tattle when he heard choking noises coming from her throat. His fairy seemed frozen, held in place by an invisible force, and she was struggling to break free. The boy turned back to the figure in black. Their head had lifted to look at Tattle, though he still couldn't make out the person's face. What did you do to her? Link said, drawing his sword. As he stepped forward, its gray, rotted face came into view. Instantly, every muscle in his body pulled taut, suddenly immobile. He tried to bring his arm down, which had only just pulled his weapon free. He tried moving his eyes, too, but he met the same immense resistance. Link's pupils were forced to stare into the horror beneath the hood. It was the face of a redead. Link tried to shout, but his jaw was locked as well. When he heard more grunting from Tattle, he realized they'd both lost control to the undead's freezing stare. What is happening? He thought. He'd never seen a redead in the open like this, let alone one that was clothed and could walk so smoothly. Its mouth and eyes were equally devoid of life. Link had no choice but to behold the rotting skull rooted to the spot by its magical grip. From his peripheral vision, Link watched Tattle fly toward the cloaked creature. He tried to scream her name, but his lips could not move. The fairy's wings flapped stiffly toward their enemy, and Link realized the redead was commanding her body. This isn't a redead, Link realized. There had to be a way out of this, a way to break the monster's grip. But his mind reeled futilely. He could not speak, scream, or even look at his fairy. He could only watch as the creature manipulated their every movement like a puppeteer. Tears welled in Tattle's eyes as she completed the journey to the stranger. The being never looked away from them as it reached into its cloak with a gloved hand and pulled out a bottle. The monster removed the cork as Tattle helplessly flew into the container and then resealed it to trap her. Tattle screamed. She regained control of her body as soon as she left the being's line of sight. She slammed into the glass and shouted, though her voice was muffled. The hooded figure continued staring at Link, who could only tremble in place. Its gaze deepened somehow, and Link's eyes widened as his muscles tightened more. Pain became a sharp needle in every muscle of his body as he stared into the hood. For a moment, 
He thought he saw a pair of eyes in those deep pits, as if they were hidden beneath the surface of the Redead's face. Link's head exploded with pain, and he fell when the cloaked figure turned away. His vision blurred and his ears rang, hardly noticing as the sword left his fingers. He gritted his teeth as his limbs throbbed weakly and uselessly. Link looked up and saw the attacker walk away, bottle in its hand. His head swam and bright lights danced across his vision. He could barely make out the screaming fairy trying so hard to escape. <coughs> Link said, only able to muster a whisper. When he tried standing, he fell back into the snow. <coughs> He failed again, and then he couldn't move his arms and legs at all. The cloaked figure disappeared into the growing blizzard. Tada! Link cried as he lay in the snow without strength. No! Come back! Tattle! You have to come back! I promised I wouldn't lose you! You're all I have left! <laughs> no one heard his whimpers. The only answer he got was the whistling wind, which pummeled him with snow as he lay there. Soon, the pain in his arms and legs was numb. He didn't feel like he had a body anymore, lying there. <laughs> Tattle's gone. It's my fault. I should have been more careful. The last of his willpower spiraled into blackness as a large figure approached him through the snow. Oh! Link mouthed as the silhouette bent over him. She's gone. There's no coming back from that.